This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 19 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, Horse Sport in New Zealand. Thank you to all the listeners who have made donations to the Horse Radio Network. If you like what you hear and want to support the network and the horse programming that we do, you can make a donation by following the donation link on the left-hand border of our site at stablescoop.com. Now on with the show. Welcome to the Stable Scoop. With weekly shows delivered right to you With Helena and Glenn the Geek Live from the stable, it's every week We bring you the news through hail hot water While using their tails as their own fly swatters So sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable School Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. I am Glenn the Geek. And I am Helena V. And this is the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Hey, Helena, can you believe it's only one week from Christmas? Yes, I can. I know. And you're going on vacation, right? First time in five years. Wow. Five years. <laughs> if I ever get out of Boston, I will be so happy. <laughs> And you just had uh, uh, people listen to this show from all over the world, where Helena lives in the Northeast, just had a huge ice storm and knocked out power to like half of five states. Uh, Over a million customers were without power for almost five days, and still some don't have it back yet. My friend John there, he just got his back yesterday. He was four and a half days without power. I think the lack of internet was causing massive withdrawal. He was, uh, you know, thankfully, I didn't lose any internet, which is uh, the only problem I had was my outgoing mail server was a little bit slow. But there's this small swath of New England that didn't get covered in ice. And uh, thankfully, I was one of them. But pretty much everybody else was frozen in. Yep. And it was <laughs> it was a serious storm. Well, we I'm very excited today because I actually think that uh, our show today is going to warm us up a bit because I think they're in summertime now. Uh, we're going to be talking all about horse sport in New Zealand, and we have some fantastic guests lined up. And we're hoping that our electronics and uh, our call system does not fail us as we talk to multiple people in, in New Zealand. Uh, so what do we, who do we have on today, Helena? We do. You're right, Glenn. We have an exciting show planned for today. Uh, We have a special co-host joining us from New Zealand, who you will introduce in a minute. Uh, Also joining us is one of New Zealand's well-known equestrians, Colin McIntosh. Colin was a three-day eventer turned show jumper. Uh, He competed at the Seoul Olympics and has won many prestigious show jumping titles. Uh, So we'll be talking with him. And also joining us is Jim Ellis, who is the CEO of Equestrian Sports New Zealand and he has a similar role to um, our own David O'Connor in the way David heads up the USEF. Uh, Jim Ellis uh, has likewise responsibilities as the CEO of Equestrian Sports New Zealand. So I bet he'll have lots of interesting things to talk to us about, too. Nothing like starting at the top in our first conversation about New Zealand, huh? Hey, you know, we did that with the Talking Equine show. We That's went right. straight to the top with we, David. It was with David, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> our first show. Nothing like uh, putting the pressure on to begin with. 
All right. So today we're excited to have Robin on, and she is the founder of horsetalk.co.nz, which is one of the most popular horse sites in New Zealand. Basically, if you Google New Zealand horses, her site is at the top of the listings. I think it's been around forever, and it's the, it's the go-to source for New Zealand equestrians. And she has been a supporter of the Horse Radio Network, and I have to thank her for that since the beginning, since we first started. And I'm excited to actually talk to her for the first time. We, uh, there goes my cell phone. See, I didn't turn that off. <laughs> Come on, Glenn. We've been doing this for how many I months know, now? I <laughs> know, and I forgot. All right. We're going to do that right now, so that doesn't... But she's been a supporter of ours forever. And hi, Robin. How are you? Hi, Glenn. I'm great. Good. See the professionalism we have here? Yeah, she's good. Hey. You can. We should put her on that regular co-host list. Yeah, because obviously she probably doesn't have her cell phone on right now. No. no. Well, I, I do, but it's in, a, in the other room, so oh, good. it's not going to bother me. <laughs> well, you know, we've been conversing for quite a few months now, and it's it's just a pleasure to finally speak with you. You too, yes. Yes, and I'm sorry to hear the weather has been rather unimpressive there. We are having a beautiful sunny day at the moment. Um, the sun is shining. I can look out and see the ocean where I'm sitting, and all is well. Oh, now you're really rubbing it in. <laughs> is it summer over there right now, Robin? What's the What's the season? Yes, it is summer, yes. Yes, and we're, as you know, we're a week from Christmas, um, and which the, the Northern Hemisphere people tend to be very surprised when they come to New Zealand for Christmas because we're, we we sit and have our traditional Christmas dinner, our roast and our roast vegetables and big big heavy puddings in the middle of summer with you know with our shorts and, and, and t-shirts on. <laughs> no snow <laughs> for you. <laughs> no, no, that sounds really rarely. nice. That sounds really nice. I'm looking out my window and there's like, you know, three inches of ice and crusty snow on the, yeah, so I wouldn't mind being being in flip-flops and eating my roast. (laughs) So how did Horse Talk get started? Well, it got started. We we just found that there there was nowhere for horse news, particularly on. Well, there was nowhere on the internet. The internet was really quite new to New Zealand in the in the mid mid nineties, um, and there was no real daily or even kind of horse news website that was that was New Zealand based. So we figured, well, we'll we'll give that a try, and we we host websites for studs and organisations, and then we really kicked up kicked up the the daily news um, thing a couple of years ago. So pretty much every day, um, we we'll put news items up on the website. Um, so we have a journalistic background, so that that part is a little bit easier for us. So um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun over the years. Well, actually, yours is kind of unique because I noticed that you write a lot of the articles that go up there. You're not just regurgitating other stuff. That's right. Yeah, Neil is um, who, who's the co-founder of Horse Talk. He is a very a longtime journalist and very good. He he researches. We we talk to people all over the world. It's really good fun. It's it's amazing where we can be we we can be talking to people where they are and um, yeah, and he does a lot of research for our articles and yeah. So we try and we try and keep ahead of everything and keep up with everything. But there's a lot happening in the horse world. Yeah, well, it's interesting too because when I want to see what's going on in New Zealand, your site is the one I go to. Well, that's good to hear. And and also we we do keep an eye on the rest of the world as well. So, yep, keep keep an eye on the international horse scene on horsetalk.co.nz. <laughs> yeah. Do you do much traveling, Robin? Do you um do you get to go to other countries or even traveling within New Zealand? As part of your um, your work, either in journalism or or 
um, not working re- with not really. It, there's not really a, a, a call for it. There's no, we, we we don't really tend to go to the larger competitions if they're locally. Yes, but but it wouldn't be really worth our while to 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 tackle the really big, you know, the big competitions. I mean, there's there's just so much going on. Um, and New Zealand is um, as far as the World Equestrian Games is concerned, we are into um, dressage, show jumping, eventing, and um, endurance. Whereas um, some of the other um, activities, which are like uh, vaulting, for example, very small and raining, very small in New Zealand. So yeah, that was another um, question: is, is is Western riding at all, like, like American yeah, yeah. Western riding, is that popular at all in New Zealand? It is popular in a few areas. It's been going for a few years, but um, it's I don't believe it's part of the I don't believe New Zealand operations are part of the FEI family in in that regard. Um, there are a lot of Western riding clubs. I mean, we've got there's quite a few quarter horses and Appaloosas in the country, which are the main breeds that people do Western with. But it's not a huge, huge thing. Not a huge thing. I know Australia. It's it's popular. I think I just saw that. Uh, wasn't it an, an Aussie that won the reigning championships last I week? I think he might have might have been Austrian. Austrian. Okay, <clears throat> gotcha. Yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't couldn't remember which it was, but so is. What is the major discipline then in in New Zealand? Is there one that stands out, or <coughs> excuse me, I, I would say um, jumping and eventing would be the main ones, but endurance is also growing fast. Um, there's a lot of Arabian breeds. In fact, the Arab Arabian horse has been one of the oldest breeds in the country. You know, from the sort of late 1800s. Um, dressage is popular, but it, it does struggle because we have trouble getting very, you know, top world, top international trainers to the country on a regular basis because of the expense. And 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 really the, and, and speaking of the, the financial side of it, New Zealand is just a, such a small player compared to the rest of the world with regard to, you know, horse horse sport, you know. It's not as financially, uh, it's not as financial as, as the rest of the world. Put it that way. It's are you guys suffering? Are you guys suffering the same kind of um, financial challenges that um, the rest of the Western Hemisphere is, or are you feeling the impact of what's going on in the United States yeah, in your country? The, yes, the, the impact is here. I mean, um, I, I checked last night, and if if you had one American dollar, one US dollar, you'd buy $1.70 New Zealand. Or going back the other way, um, if I went to the US with my $1, I'd get 58 cents. Okay. Yeah, so, so um, huh, interesting. The, the exchange rate has dropped dramatically. Um, it should settle around 60 cents, we, we imagine, and we'll probably have to just ride that out for a few years. So so that is that is great for people coming to New Zealand to buy yeah. horses. But not so good for us going the other way to try and compete on the world scene. So the days of you guys coming here and enjoying that favorable uh, dollar is not not there anymore. Not really, no. Not so good. So leading up to 2010 and and to the Olympics beyond that, we're not sure what sort of an impact that's going to have. It'll be interesting. We'll have to ask Jim when we have him on today, who's the head of, of Olympic sports there in New Zealand, what they do have planned and and whether the economy is going to affect those plans. Mm, yes, yes. So, so we'll have to ask him that when we get him on. But I think it's time now that we actually bring Colin on. So, uh, 
Colin actually has been one of the leading equestrians for many, many, many years in New Zealand. His name is Colin McIntosh. Uh, he's well-known down there. He's part of a prominent equestrian family. His wife and, and his daughter actually are very prominent equestrians as well. He started at the age of nine. He started as an inventor and then migrated to show jumping. And after focusing exclusively on show jumping, Colin has seen success in the show ring nationally and internationally. He represented New Zealand several times in international competition, including the Olympics in Seoul. Uh, he's won many prestigious show jumping titles in New Zealand, including Horse of the Year, Grand Prix Ride, of the year New Zealand high jump title four times it just goes on and on his resume is about 10 miles long Uh, and he successfully trained produced uh, uh, 10 grand prix winners and numerous successful show jumpers and eventers so let's say hi to Colin hi how are you all right good so we appreciate you being on the stable scoop radio show with us today all about New Zealand and I'm not sure where to start with you because you've done your resume is about 10 miles long uh, I was reading your website, and, and I've never seen such a long resume of people who've done so many things. Now, you started out as an eventer and then switched to show jumping. So my first question, being in an eventing family, is why'd you do that? Well, there was a number of reasons at the time in New Zealand eventing was kind of a fledgling sport. It didn't have the recognition that it does now, and the opportunities to compete weren't as uh, you know weren't as prolific as they are now. You got like one or two events a year, and I I managed to get in the team to go to Australia when I was about 18. And you know after that you have your horses have to have such a downtime. And um, there was a number of reasons that you know the lack of horsepower and being able to compete regularly. You know show jumping offers you a bit more of that opportunity. Are you still competing, or you do mostly coaching and training now? I'm doing mostly coaching and training, but I still do compete. I have, I actually have an Australian horse in the barn at the moment that I ride at, you know, about the middle level. And he's only a youngster; he's only seven. So, um, yeah, so I'm still doing a fair chunk. I still really enjoy it. I'm still competitive. We win a few classes here and there, so it's uh, still great. Good. And does your wife still compete? Yep, Tony has a Grand Prix horse. We have an Argentinian Grand Prix horse, so she competes in the Grand Prix and mostly in the Northern Californian circuit. Um, we have about 40 horses in training with us, so we're on the road around 30 weeks of the year with clients at horse shows. Wow. So, yeah, it's a busy life, so we fit our, our competition kind of effort fits into the big picture of all of that. Now, Colin, you're based in um, California now, is that correct? Yeah, in Woodside, California, yeah, Northern California, just about 40 minutes out of south of San Francisco. And how often do you get back to New Zealand, or, or do you get there much at all? Um, we try to get there at least once a year, and we generally try to, to work it so that we get to a horse show. We actually were back in September and didn't make it to a horse show the year before we, we managed to get the Tauranga World Cup qualifying round, kind of keep ourselves informed of what's happening in New Zealand and catch up with family. It's you know it's just fitting it into the timetable, really. Right. And what do you find is the greatest difference between um, being a horseman in New Zealand and being a horseman in the United States, particularly in California? Do you notice a difference? Uh, There's a huge difference. I mean, the whole equine environment here is so much, you know, it's on another level in terms of the competition. But in terms of the horsemanship, which you talked about, is I think New Zealanders have a definite edge in terms of horsemanship. We are we're in a facility where Pete Brakewell, who's you know from Hastings, has been here for years. He's in the same facility as us with his business. There's Guy Thomas is just up the road. 
Uh, Rachel York is not far away from us. New Zealanders have a great reputation because of their horsemanship, you know, the handling and managing and training of the horses. That's kind of, um, I guess, in our opinion, a little lacking in America. There's great competitors here, but it's hard to find great horsemen or horsewomen. What's New Zealand focused on now? uh, we, We talked a little bit to Robin about this. Is it mostly show jumping and eventing are the big things in New Zealand? a wide variety of equestrian sports are all very popular. I mean, if you follow the New Zealand web pages, you'll see that the endurance riders are doing well internationally. There's, I think it's fair to say, a resurgence in, in eventing with, with um, Vaughan Jeffries coming back on board and Mark Todd doing his thing again. I mean, that's been an enormous boost for eventing. Show jumping's always been very focused. We have... Um, a large group of international competitors, you know, outside of the New Zealand group that are that are very good. But we have New Zealanders dotted around the world, and you know, in my selection capacity, I try to keep track with as many of them as possible. And we have, you know, an ongoing effort at the high level of show jumping. Now, you're a selector for show jumping. That's correct. Yes. So, so you'll be involved in the selection for the 2010 games. Well, I hope so. Um, I think the process in New Zealand is under review after Hong Kong and the High Performance Committee is under review. Um, Mr. Alice can probably tell you a little more about that. Um, and the selection selector, selectors are up for renewal prior to that. Our, our contract was basically till the end of Hong Kong and there's a new criteria being set for selection. But I'm, you know, I'm still available for it. I have a great interest in supporting New Zealand equestrian efforts. We've We've been involved in every aspect of it, as you said earlier, and via our webpage. You can see that we've run shows, we've been on teams, we've been on executive committee, and we have, you know, the very best interests of New Zealand show jumping at heart, although we live in California now. I know, Robin, did you want to, you had a question, I think, about Samantha, right? Yes, yes. Um, she's changed back to Kiwi nationality, which is great. Yeah, that's we're really excited about that. Actually, I was talking to Samantha this morning. She's in Spain at the moment at a horse show in Spain, and she gets back just a few days before Christmas back to her base in northern Germany. We probably should um, we probably should say that we probably should explain to everybody who Samantha is. Um, <laughs> so, yes. uh, Samantha is Colin's daughter, who's actually been riding in Europe, right? That's correct. She's been there about eleven years, and she's previously been riding for Bulgaria, which was an interesting turn. It was an opportunity to ride internationally and do the European. So she um, that's, not, that's not a country you think of as a place you want to go ride. No, but they have you know they have an equestrian interest there, and the military have been supportive of it for a number of years. And it was a great opportunity for for Samantha because it allowed her to get into the top European competitions. It got it going in Europe. Um, and now she feels, you know, that she's established and she has this yearning to ride for New Zealand again. She did represent New Zealand as a young rider, in, you know, in her early teens. And you know, it's just something Kiwis are very loyal to their country. And, and this morning she said, you know, she's looking forward to having a, a go at getting on the World Championship team in 2010. She has three horses down with her in Spain that are very promising jumpers. So... Yeah, so we're very excited about her being able to ride back for New Zealand, and obviously it's great to it's great to have another Macintosh riding internationally. Now, when she did, was there any controversy in her getting back, or was it uh, a no-brainer? No, it, it isn't actually that simple. You, you've got to have a stand-down period. Like she has eighteen months; she actually can't ride in an international 
competition for New Zealand or for Bulgaria until um, I think June of 2010, so not that far prior to... There's a stand-down period of about two years, 18 months to two years. And it is a bit of a process. You have to present a case to the the FEI to get you, you know, to change nationality. So it is a bit of a process. And she had thought about doing it before and put it in a too-hard basket, but just to seem the opportunity to do it now. Well, that's that's quite a decision then. If you you have to stand down for 18 months, then that, that is a major commitment. Well, one of the things she said this morning was that she can't no longer can compete in the European Championships, and she's been very successful in the European Championships, you know, finishing in the top few the time she's ridden there. So that's a competition that she won't be able to go, you know, won't be able to go to. And, and she said, well, the thing is that if you do the Europeans, you have either a World Champions or Olympic European that gives you you know, one a year, and it's almost too much for the horses. So, right, right. So she's focused on the world champs at the moment if she has a horse. But I think she has no desire to go there unless she can be competitive, you know, un- unlike a few people that kind of feel that getting there is the achievement. She has a wish to be successful there as well. So, yeah, so we've got our fingers crossed that her horses will be good enough at the time and it'll all work out. I'm going to switch gears a little bit for a minute um, and ask you about your training philosophy. I was reading on your your website the the mission and the vision that you have for Macintosh Stables, and one of the things I found very interesting was your um, your your mission. Basically, it says to that you you hope to inspire the mastery of a equestrian sport through a safe and positive training experience. Can you tell us a little bit about what you think is a positive training experience, and what what are your top two goals like how do you achieve a positive training experience gosh how much time have we got this is my, <laughs> this is my pet this is my pet subject um when tony and i were training in new zealand we had already developed a, a very positive coaching approach and so in other words trying to find the things that people competitors riders and their horses did positively and enhance that rather than totally concentrate on the negatives of what was happening and when we moved to America, we very quickly became associated with a group here called the Positive Coaching Alliance, and they do a lot with youth sport in schools along the same lines. That you know, the, one of the objectives of sport is you know obviously the safe environment, but to try and create um, an enthusiasm that's lifelong. And so many people get a negative experience from coaches, in particular. In their efforts to improve, they concentrate too much on the negatives and not enough on the positives, the things that people can do and do well. So it was great when we met them. They actually had formalized what we'd been attempting to do for a number of years. So um, it was was great and it was a boost to us. And they actually, we had some meetings with them and they took on board some of our suggestions because of the involvement of the equine athlete. Um, And generally it takes the stress out of it for us as coaches. It takes the stress out of it for our clients and it certainly relieves a lot of the stress and the training process for the horses as well so it works great for us and we kind of we've been spreading it around and I've been very heartened to notice at the horse shows we go to in California that there's a number of established coaches that use have picked up on some of our terminology and some of our approach and um, are using it successfully so yeah we're we're really enthusiastic about that whole process um you know, the old kind of rugby room, locker room, negative, 
you know, yelling and screaming and getting upset with people and being derogatory really doesn't work in the 21st century, if it ever worked at all. No, I've been on the wrong side of that approach myself. It's, it's, that doesn't get anybody anywhere. Well, as coaches, we continue to grow. We, you know, we, we're on a learning process the whole time, and even though we've been doing it for a, you know, many, many years, we still take every opportunity to, to learn from others. There's a few great mentors here. Obviously, George Morris is you know, one of the greatest jumper coaches ever. We spend time with him at a few shows when we meet. Um, Bernie Trag, you know, we still have contacts in Europe where have a very open mind to new thoughts and there are some things happening in equine sport that's not so attractive so we try to stay in you know the more positive side of everything and it kind of works for us anyway i can't tell you how happy i am to hear that <laughs> it but you know it's just we you see so much of the other side of it and because i think that side of it is usually publicized Right. And particularly in the show ring, I mean, or in a competitive environment. Right. Well, I think one of the things is that in, amongst the talented people, it's disappointing to see, and I can talk about this, you know, I think that the use of stimulants, um, illegal drugs in horses is, you know, an unnecessary thing, I think, in a proper training program where people's ambitions are realistic, given the talents of their horses. And that's something that we vehemently, strongly speak out against. And, and we, in our barn and business, you know, never advocate that at all. In fact, it's something we're, you know, strongly, strongly against. And I think it's something that the sport really needs to take a good, strong look at um, in terms of the end result at the international level. So having had so much success within your own family and, and your horses and your students, how would you define success um, outside of a competitive environment between a horse and rider for those who want to achieve the same level of technical riding ability and horsemanship, but who don't have either the ability or the means or the desire to have their horsemanship validated in a competitive way? How do you define a success outside of that? Well, that's a tricky one. I think it depends on the individual. You know, we have competitive, we have clients that are not competitive that we still strive to achieve some of the same goals as we do with our competitive riders and that is that they enjoy their horse they do it in a safe environment that their horse enjoys the interaction with its owner or rider you know there's a number of ways you could measure that success i just think just loving doing what you're doing just going out and enjoying it and having a horse that's stress-free and enjoying what it's doing kind of isn't as successful as winning a class you know, we we train on a regular training process, but it doesn't always end up in the ring. And even when it does end up in the ring, it doesn't always end up in blue ribbons as it is here, not red like in New Zealand. <laughs> um, you know, so people have to the the people that are riding the competitors and the clients have to have some enjoyment from you know a process of success, which means okay, they're teaching the horse something new, they're feeling more comfortable, more secure, more confident. They're just, you know, enjoying their association with their horse other than winning classes. Winning classes is awesome and we're all very competitive about it, but at the end of the day, in every class can only be one winner. So in a class, a Grand Prix of 70-odd people, you could say, well, okay, there's going to be 69 disappointed ones if the only thing that they get pleasure from is winning. So there's numerous ways that the success can be measured, and we try to do it on an individual basis. We sit down and have 
goal setting meetings with all of our clients and work through a process to try and help them achieve whatever it is their goal is, whether it be going to the Olympics or just feeling safe on a trail ride. That's great. And you know what? We're already running out of time here, Colin, but I did want to ask Robin, do you have any other questions for Colin before we let him go? Yeah. Are there any um, hot-looking prospects for the 2010 Games thus far that you've seen it, it, with your selector hat on, if, if you do come to be a selector? Well, you know, the, the horse turnover is very is fairly high in, in the show-jumping world. Peter Brakewell has a, a wonderful um, young Grand Prix horse that's had enormous success in, in the Futures Grand Prix, and I think it's been featured in the Bulletin a couple of times. Um, Rachel York has a really nice nice Grand Prix horse that's also had success. Um, Guy Thomas has a horse he calls Peterbilt, which I think is an eight-year-old this year. It's a stallion. Also, you know, a great international prospect. And I know the guys in Europe are working really, really hard on their horsepower. You know, it, it goes without saying that we have some awesome riders. We have riders with super talent spread all around the world, but... The horsepower is the issue, and so those young and up-and-coming horses are the future of the show jumping, and I guess the same could be said across the discipline. So, yeah, I'm very excited. There's some very nice horses out there, and people are getting the right idea about what kind of horse will do the job now. Yeah, And I heard there's some girl named Samantha that might have a shot, too. <laughs> yeah, well, Sam, I'm, you know, I'm obviously very biased there, but Sam has, you know, she has a couple of really nice seven- and eight-year-olds that are competing well. She won a meter 45 class in Portugal last week. That's been featured on the webpage, NZEF webpage, um, free NZEF, whatever. Um, so she has, you know, she has lots going on all the time, and she seems to be able to find a superstar when she needs it. Um, and, you know, the reports I get from Europe are that, and from her is that she has a couple of really nice horses. So fingers crossed. Good. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll have to get her on the show here sometime. Um, I talked to her about that this morning, and she'd be more than happy to do it. Oh, but great. She's, on the, she's on the road a lot, and you know, she's, um, she's a New Zealander. She wants to promote the sport for New Zealand. She wants to be involved and, and make a contribution. I'll, t- so, I'll tell you yeah. what, we're just going to have to schedule a Macintosh episode with, <laughs> with all three of you. Yeah. Well, you know, there is always an outside. I haven't given up um, throwing a good Grand Prix horse into the ring either if one came along. You know, who knows? We might have a whole group of us in the team sometime. That would be awesome. That'd be cool. We'll be rooting for you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, great. Hey, I, we always try and end with one question for all the top riders, and the question is, you've done so much. What is the one thing that stood out in your career that you're the most proud of? Well, I think representing New Zealand in two sports in the three-day event and the show jumping, but the Seoul Olympics was an awesome achievement. New Zealand hadn't been to an Olympics in 20-odd years when we went, and that performance, I think, our team performance there is still our best ever. Um, that was that was an outstanding. I mean, there are so many things, winning the Horse of the Year and other titles, but I think, you know, for me, just being able to contribute to the whole thing has been an awesome experience, being able to be on committees, be you know, be able to give back some of what I've taken from the sport. Um, that's why I'm still a selector now. You know, I feel I have something to offer. And it's it's nice if people give back. Well, that's something. great. I'll tell you what, we appreciate you being on, but unfortunately we're already out of time. And okay. we have to talk to Jim or he'll be mad at us. We do appreciate you being on, and, and we'll get you. I was serious about that. Sometime next year we'll definitely have to have a Macintosh episode and work it out to get you all three on at the same time. That'd be great. You might ask Jim how he's going to restructure the um, high performance committee because that's the million dollar question at the moment. <laughs>
Oh, oh so we'll let Robin like ask that. that so. <laughs> oh, okay. Listen, thanks for having me on. Really All right, Colin, it. thanks a lot. Okay, Take bye. Care. Bye. Our next guest is Jim Ellis, who is the CEO of Equestrian Sports New Zealand, which is like the United States Equestrian Federation. And we're thrilled to have Jim on with us today to tell us what's happening in New Zealand. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Okay, we certainly appreciate you being on the show with us. And uh, it's early there in the morning, I think. Oh, yeah, we're, we're just about 10, 10 to 9 in the morning on a, um, a gloriously sunny summer's day. Mm, See, he's, that, rubbing, that, he, he's rubbing it in too, again, Helena. Sunny. I know, here we go. <laughs> Robin made sure to rub that in earlier, too. Hey, I'll tell you what, we have so many questions for you and so little time, I don't even know where to begin. I, I just wanted to, you know, give everybody, we have listeners from all over the world here. And I want to just give a little bit of background on yourself, maybe the Reader's Digest version. You started in this position a year ago, right? Yeah, just just over a year, about 15, 16 months. And, and what did uh, you do before that? I used to work in um, the sort of the previous to that, the, the, the British and then the New Zealand equivalents of the NCAA. Oh, really? Okay. Maybe you could tell um, us what, what Equestrian Sports New Zealand is and what its function is. Um, I think just very much the national federation within New Zealand and a very similar role to that which is provided by other, I guess, NS around around the globe. I think what's probably important to be clear about in New Zealand is that we are a single organisation. So we obviously run um, the four disciplines that that we do underneath um, one umbrella, but um, legally we're a single entity. And I know in, in, in many places around the world, those separate disciplines are still run as separate organisations. Okay, so you it would be like the United States Equestrian Federation here. Yes, okay. yeah, exactly. And we are formally constituted to look after dressage and uh, endurance and eventing and show jumping. And literally, our our board made a decision last week to incorporate um, para equestrian as a as a fifth discipline of our organisation. Oh, good. Okay, that's great. Now, tell us. You know, as I said, we have listeners all over the world. So to start our conversation, tell us what you would like those listeners all over the world to know about New Zealand horse sports. Um, I, mean, I think that the key bit, and Robin will be able to, to back me up on this, is, is about that the scale, um, the scale of horse sport in this country is significant. Um, and I think partly our, our place on the globe means that um, as a country, and, and, and certainly in terms of our southern hemisphere location, sometimes we, we, we struggle to, to fit in in exactly the, the way that the northern hemisphere find it slightly more easy to. But horse sports is significant here. Um, within the, the country, there's a population of 4 million in, in New Zealand. Um, and we it has about, a um, rich Sorry, we have about 100,000 horses in New Zealand, according to um, a couple of different sources. 80 to, uh, right. to 120,000 is the, is the range of horse population in New Zealand at the moment. Yeah, that, so that, that's right. I'm, I'm probably around um, 30% of those would be part of the, the racing industry. Um, and certainly, I think within our category of horse sport, we would say that we register uh, probably between 15 to 17,000 horses uh, at our level. But in terms of pony clubs, then clearly you can take that much further. So I think we, we probably represent, again, maybe a third of the, the, the total equine population in, in New Zealand. Um, but it is, a, it is a very horsey country. Um, <laughs> clearly, it's got a very well-established um, sort of rural background. Um, but I think one of the big challenges for us, um, and in particular our sort of um, our, our training, is how 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 the, the you know, I guess the, the urbanisation of our population 
Um, there's, there's an awful lot of people who are coming into the sport who, who don't have a natural heritage and, and, and the natural opportunities to train. So. When we think of New Zealand here in the United States, obviously we've seen some very famous eventers and things, and a lot of them end up, well, like Colin for that. For See, I'm going to get back at Colin for wanting us yeah. to ask you all the tough <laughs> questions. They tend, a lot of them seem to leave. Is that just a misperception for me, or do they end up coming to the United States? Is it because it's easier? Um, I mean, it's true. I mean, obviously, it's fairly discipline-specific, but, but, but an awful lot of our, our top-end athletes um, do believe that they, that they need to leave the Southern Hemisphere to go and prove themselves and, and to be competing at an appropriate level. And it's um, certainly, uh, currently, we've got 25 eventers in the UK. If we were to look at our, um, our premier show jumpers, there was certainly one of our show jumping team at the Hong Kong Olympics who was New Zealand-based and the, and the rest of our are based in the States or, or Europe. Um, I think our premier dressage rider is based in the UK. Um, so, so certainly it is true that there is a tendency um, for New Zealanders to leave New Zealand and head to the, to the Northern Hemisphere. Um, but they but are... I'm sorry, they are still representing the country, right? Even though they're, they're living abroad, they're still riding and representing New Zealand. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you know, we have to be realistic about where the, where the heartlands are of international horse sport. Um, I think certainly within our programs that they're, they're very much catered for the fact that people will be going overseas. Um, I think we're, we're starting to see occasionally, um, certainly on the eventing side, when I talk about 25 eventers in the UK, um, how many of those have gone too early is certainly a, a personal question, um, whether they could still be receiving the same um, degree of benefit to their sort of um, elite performance from still staying in New Zealand and doing competitions in New Zealand and Australia. Um, and that's something that we're certainly working on here. But I think at some stage, if people are going to crack the big, big time, I think that there, there is an expectation that people will go overseas. And, you know, that's an economic thing, I'm sure. And we just actually touched with Robin a little bit earlier, but we didn't go into great detail. How is the economy – I mean, the economy, obviously, everybody knows how the economy is in the United States. Is it the same in New Zealand? Um yeah, I think a few degrees smaller, probably. But um, but yes, but in in, in general, I, th- I think we find we uh, get get the same knock-ons that, that come from downturns in sort of the American economy and the Japanese economy. Um, New Zealand is still primarily um, driven by its agricultural sector and its tourism sector. Um, and the agricultural sector over the last few years has been doing well. There's a sort of a slight downturn at the moment, but I still think that that, that is a reasonably strong sector within this country. Um, tourism is clearly affected by you know, uh, jet fuel prices and, and, and the spend that people have had in their pockets. So I think that is having an effect. Um, but, but I think, I, I don't know quite um, what Robin's views were on it, but I think if you walk around the streets here at Christmas time, I don't think you would get the impression you're in the middle of a huge global slump. Um, I think there's still a reasonable degree of positivity, but people are probably just battening down the hatches a bit. Okay. So, so one of the yeah, things that, that we always right. talk, talk about here in the United States is the price of hay. So what's a bale of hay cost in uh, New Zealand? Well, whatever cost you for a man who's, who's, who's stuck in an office in the middle of Wellington, nowhere near any horses. And I might rapidly defer that to Robin for some assistance. So. Well, I, I can tell you it does vary greatly through the country and um, and there are droughts and is, is coming into a drought in, in certain areas. But I can tell you it costs about $2.50 to make a bale of hay. And it, it, it costs 
at the moment in around the Canterbury area, it is about $6 to buy a bale of hay. This is a small conventional bale of hay, not a large Which would bale. be, what, about $4 um, our, our U.S. dollars at this point? Um, maybe, uh, what Because we're say, 60 $6. cents on the dollar, I yeah. think, right now, yeah. yeah. About that. Yeah. But yeah. It, in, when, once things get a little bit tighter through the summer, um, it's probably going to go up to around $10. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's um, lo- that just meadow, meadow hay. Lucerne or alfalfa hay, we call it lucerne here, um, is going to be like $10, $12 now, and that's going to go up even more. So the sky's the limit if you're growing so that, hay. It's actually not that different than here in the United States then. No. It's pretty, pretty close. Yeah. So, uh, Robin, we, we, Colin had a question that he wanted you to ask Jim, remember? <laughs> <laughs> now, that's mean. <laughs> yes, Colin, Colin was asking about the restructuring of the high-performance program, how that is going to be restructured, restructured oh, post-Olympics. That's a, um, I mean, I mean, that's a, a, a very fair question, and, and literally part of our uh, our firefighting during during the week has been um, a sort of exercise in trying to get, trying to get a significant message out around uh, where this organisation wishes to take our high performance program. And I, I think one of the clear things that, that came out of the, of the Olympics is that um, on a global level, we are slipping slightly and I, I, I talked specifically about eventing there but I think certainly our show jumping campaign wasn't as good as we would wished um, there are aspects of our dressage which are, which are getting better but also aspects where we feel further off the pace when we look at what, what some of the Australians are doing very close to us um, and part of the review that we did and it, and it was a fairly swift process um, post Hong Kong was to say are we leading the program properly as, as the National Federation? And I think all the comments that we got was that wasn't the case um, and that there was a, a clear degree of um, a sort of leadership void, a bit of a vacuum. Um, that was tending, tended to be filled by, I suppose, um, an awful lot of, I guess, a lack, of, lack of direction to the riders and the riders therefore really choosing their own courses. And, and the riders were screaming out post Hong Kong for increased direction in what they ought to be doing. Um, and I think that's that's really what we're in the process of trying to put in place at the moment to say um, we as the National Federation are going to lead this high performance program. Um, we've just received news of our sort of governmental um, funding for the for, for the next year. And I, um, I, I actually read that article, and it looked like it was kind of disappointing in a way, in that they you guys actually let's explain to this you get money from the government for sports for the Olympics and for the. For, for international events, is that correct? Yeah, I, 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 that would be a reasonably standard standard model globally in, in terms of uh, you know in terms of government sport agencies putting funds into high performance. But, but they actually um, did dictate. They actually dictate which sports. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So um, previously, we used to receive funding two or three years ago for all of our all of our disciplines high performance programs, and that was reduced in 2008 to just eventing and show jumping. Um, and I think putting it bluntly as a result of our show jumping performance um, in Hong Kong um, and some other sports in New Zealand as well have suffered the same fate. Um, we're now at a stage where they're saying this, these funds are for eventing, which is where they believe um, we have the ability to sort of make an impact on the top level um, in Kentucky and then, and then on to London in particular. Which is kind of sad because it... it takes it away from the place where you probably need it the most, which um, is to develop yeah. those other sports. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, I mean, that's a, a completely fair point. I mean, I think here the actual pot of money that's available is so small. I think that they've got themselves backed into a corner where they can only fund that on the basis of if you perform well, we'll continue to fund you. If you stop right. performing, you're gone. And, right. and, and there's a real issue within that around, um, you know, whether you want to call it chicken and egg or horse and cart. Um, they've very clearly laid out their position that if you perform, you'll continue to get dollars. And if you stop performing, um, yeah, in the same way that our uh, women's field hockey and women's basketball programs have essentially been, 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 been cut in the same way. Um, but what that means is, I guess, we have to sort of redouble our efforts and, and, and be particularly clever in how we maintain some form of show jumping high performance program in the same way that we've been doing now with dressage and endurance for the last uh, couple of years. Okay, so what do you hope to send to the World Equestrian Games in my hometown, by the way, Lexington, Kentucky? What do you hope to send to the Games as far as teams are concerned? Um, I would suspect as a result of some of the changes that we're making that the teams that we send will be perhaps smaller than we might have been talking about a year ago. Um, so I think at, the, at this stage we'll be disappointed if we're, if we're not coming with a full eventing team, but that's, that's not guaranteed. Um, I'd have an expectation of a dressage combination, one or two um, jumping combinations, um, and perhaps uh, similar in the endurance side and the para-equestrian side. But I think, I think what's clear for us is that we will set certain benchmark targets, which we will try and get a degree of equivalency across those five disciplines that, that, that we're involved in. Um, and if people don't make that standard, we're not going to send people to Kentucky just to make up a team. Right. And, and I think and I think that's quite a quite a sea change for us. And in some ways, Kentucky is going to be the most magnificent games. And there's a there's a huge degree of excitement within this country and a huge number of people who are planning to travel. But at the same time, it's probably a a little bit of a line in the sand in our high performance program to be able to say, no, we're not going to fill these spots. You will be there as an individual on merit. And if it then happens that we have teams in these various events, so 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 be it. Um, and I think that's a little bit of an ongoing challenge for us just here at the moment. So, um, we're, we're trying to sort of potentially cut off our nose and not spite our face. Right. right. So how much time does it take, does that particular topic take up in your workday? And, and what other things are at the top of your to-do list in, for 2009? Um, high performance uh, dominates at the moment, just because I think some of the changes that, that we're trying to put through are, are, are relatively radical in terms of um, it's almost about a fundamental culture shift um, in, in rider attitudes, actually, um, and trying to get back to a stage where we had a couple of decades ago of a, of a real belief and, and, and will to win that New Zealand has had. Um, be, beyond that, I think we, uh, we have all sorts of ongoing administrative issues. One of the things which is, might sound minor, but which is, a, which is a huge one for us, is our, is our new database in this office that we have here. And anybody who's dealt with significant IT projects know that these things never work in the way that you want to be. <laughs> Helena and, and, and I don't know anything they... about that. <laughs> we don't. Uh, and, they, and, they, and they never end. Um, yeah, well, you're talking uh, to two geeks here, so we understand. They never end and they never they cost never, what they say they're going to cost. That's right. They always cost ten times what they say. Yeah, so, so well, we're absolutely in the, in, in, in the middle of that at the moment. Um, there, there's an awful lot of issues at the moment around new FEI rules. Um, and, of course, they tend to come in on the 1st of January, which is very much a date set to, um, I suppose, allow a little bit of leeway for Northern Hemisphere in the start of, or well, generally the start of their, their main season. But clearly it tends to hit us in the middle of our season. Um, so there's always quite a lot of work around um, how that gets, gets integrated. 
Um, there's, there's a lot of other sort of development work going on with FEI at the moment um, around the sort of perception of it being a very Eurocentric organisation. So there's, I, I guess, some, some attempts at, at politicking and, and, and trying to make it clear that um, both Australia and New Zealand being on the sort of bottom of the world are still um, decent-sized players in this game. Um, mm. And I guess just the, um, the, the, yeah, the, the, the general day-to-day stuff of us being halfway through a season and um, looking forward to our very large Horse of the Year show um, in three months' time. Um, and we currently have our second biggest um, jumping show going on at the moment, which we call the Christmas Classic. It takes place at our National Equestrian Centre in Taupo, which is in the middle of the North Island. Um, and that's got uh, 700 horses, which are just about to start competing. Um, oh, wow. The next. That sounds nice. Yeah, sounds cool. Hey, so, Robin, I'm going to uh, give you the last shot of a question here uh, for Jim. Oh, Okay. <laughs> See, it happened to her. She got so engrossed in listening to the conversation. That happens to Helene all the time. She she gets to listening and then forgets to ask questions. <laughs> yes, that, that's exactly how I am. Um, I, 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 mm, you've, you've caught me on the spot. You've caught me on the spot. Hey, um, what, Jim, with, um, with the para equestrian being introduced to World Games, um, uh, sorry, from into New Zealand for the World Games, how many how many riders do you think you'll, we'll be able to send? Will we have a full well, team? Well, um, I, I would suspect not, but I think if we could get um, if, if we could get two to three of our of our top para equestrians to Kentucky, I think I think we'd have made some real strides. And I think uh, and doing that in a in a format where they feel part of our overarching high performance team, um, and we've been able to really support them properly. Um, certainly, there's the quite a heartland of para equestrian from the area in the country that Robin comes from, um, and I think. They've been operating a bit on an ad hoc basis over the course of the last two to three years. And we've just tried to uh, provide them a real sort of firm platform to say, okay, you are as important to us as any of our other disciplines. Clearly, an awful lot of the classes and shows that they'll they'll deliver, um, I guess, primarily dressage at the moment, will need to be delivered through our ordinary dressage discipline. Um, but we need to be really sort of seen to be an inclusive organisation, and, and, and that will have benefits all the way through. You know, uh, riders coming out of riding for the disabled, um, and uh, and even just through pony club, where uh, there are people with disabilities who perhaps aren't even sort of being recognised at the moment. Well, great. I'll tell you what, we appreciate you being on. Unfortunately, we are just plain running out of time. I, I knew that uh, when we did a show about New Zealand and with the interesting people we had on, it would, uh, it would go by quickly, and it did. I, w- one thing I wanted to ask you is, will you come, we also do a show called the 2010 Radio Show, which actually Robin carries on her website, which is all about the, WEG, the World Equestrian Games here yes. in Lexington. Will you come on again with me sometime next year, and uh, we'll talk more about that as, as you make more final plans? We'd, we'd be absolutely delighted to, Glenn, and, uh, and it's, it's probably worth saying, having been recently at the, um, the FEI General Assembly and, and, and meeting some of um, the, the WEG team who are presenting there, um, I think, as I said, there was a huge degree of excitement. Our, our own annual general meeting last September, we, we played a DVD from um, one of our endurance couples who'd, who'd, who'd been and visited. Um, and there was a real significant degree of excitement that this is going to be a magnificent event. And certainly seeing some of the facilities and the stadiums being being, being built, and I guess some of them are starting to head towards completion. Um, it's, going yeah, it's... A, it's going to be a magnificent spectacle. We're excited to have you. I live about three miles from the horse park, so... Uh, we're definitely excited to have everybody, and, and we're counting on those tourists showing up with all their dollars, too. 
Yep, yep, it, it, it will. So if, if, the, uh, <laughs> if the Kiwi dollar keeps plunging the way it is at the moment, it's going to be an expensive trip for people, but I, I, suspect, <laughs> it, it, I suspect it won't stop too many of them. I'm thinking a trip for Helene and I to visit you guys is in order here as the dollar keeps rising against yours. I, I, I'm sort of liking this. How long does you'll summer be, last? Uh, <laughs> you'll be very welcome. Well, summer tends to last pretty much till the first week of April and then very rapidly ends. Um, I think I, th- I think the autumn period tends to be relatively short, and we have a fairly long spring. But, uh, All right, so you can hook us up with summers. you can hook us up with the trail ride if we come down there. <laughs> oh, we would without any question. Okay. So, <laughs> All right, Jim. Thanks a lot. We appreciate you being right. on. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Right, bye bye. Bye. Well, that was great. I could talk to him forever. I, yeah. We just talk forever. This is a great subject. We're going to have to do. We're going to have to touch on New Zealand again because we're just having so much fun here. Uh, and I tell you what, there's some fun coming up in March too, isn't there, Helena? There is. This winter, Shadow Lane Farm in Wagner, South Carolina, will host the first ever Aiken Eventing Camp. That's going to be held February 1st through the 6th. I said March. I guess it's February. You <laughs> doesn't matter. February, March, it's winter. Okay. All right, that's it all right. runs together. And it's warm where they'll be. So. It is warm where they'll <laughs> be, right. And that's, so that's in Wagoner, South Carolina, which is just um, just outside of Aiken. Uh, so they're going to host, Shadow Lane Farm will host the first ever Aiken Eventing Camp. Again, that's February 1st through the 6th of 2009. Organizer Sarah Heffron and her team have put together a great week of training and instruction with top horsemen and women, including Allison Springer, Craig Thompson, Abigail Lufkin, and Dr. Christiana Ober, among others. The camp's emphasis will be on honing skills both on and off the horse's back to compete successfully. So hosted in the thick of Aiken's winter eventing schedule, even though winter isn't so bad down there, uh, the camp is going to blend lessons, demonstrations, lectures, and educational activities, culminating in the opportunity to compete at local horse trials, which is very cool. In addition, participants will enjoy top-notch facilities, gourmet meals, and great company. Everyone is looking forward to a fun week. So that's the Aiken Eventing Camp, February 1 through 6, 2009. And for more information, you can go to www.craigthompsoneventing.com. Well, that sounds like fun. The only thing that would make that better is if it was in New Zealand. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be pretty nice in Aiken, so we're... we're um, winters are definitely tolerable down there. <laughs> well, Robin, we appreciate you joining us for this show and for, for coming on. And I, I, as I said, I encourage everybody to go to horsetalk.co.nz. It, uh, for all kinds of international, she doesn't just cover New Zealand. She covers everything, and, and they write good articles, and, and there's a lot going on there at the site. I assume, do you ride? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. do you... I've ridden for a very long time. <laughs> what, what kind of riding? Um, English riding. Um, um, I've been a show jumper over the years. Um, at the moment, I am in between competition horses, and I have um, several young horses that I'm I'm just bringing on. Now, trail riding, I assume you were talking about endurance. Do you have a problem in New Zealand with space? In other words, is there still plenty of wide open space to ride? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, with the, there's a population of four million in the country, with I think something like three million in the North Island and, and a million in the South, with around half a million centered around the main city in the South Island. But 
you know, everywhere else it's pretty much lots of open land and there are loads of trail riding and trekking uh, facilities where you can go for a day ride or even up to two weeks. Some some uh, operators will, will take you on a, a trail ride over the countryside. Wow. Helena, we're just going to have to go. That's all yeah. there is to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you will. You will. Yeah. You know, but I thought it would be interesting for people to know um, it, it is quite, a, as Colin said, it is quite a, a totally different scene in New Zealand to, to the likes of the States and, and most other places in the world with regard to horses. About probably more than 90% of the horses in New Zealand are, are kept on pasture year-round. I mean, they're not kept in a barn situation. Um, um, people... Not many people keep their horses in livery or, you know, with a trainer. You know, you have your, you'd have your own land with, with your horses on them or you'd, you'd lease or graze a, a paddock somewhere and, and, and keep your horse there. So, you know, we're pretty much DIY here. Well, it sounds mm-hmm. nice. And, you know, you see pictures of New Zealand and you talk to people that have been there and it is definitely their favorite trip of all time. We, we should actually write to the New Zealand Tourist Bureau about carrying this show because we certainly have been... Uh, fawning over it and and i just can't wait to go <laughs> you should be paid for it <laughs> i know i know we should we should actually be sponsored for this show make Absolutely. money helena that would be a new idea for us <laughs> <laughs> new, yes novel <laughs> all right robin we again we appreciate you being on i want to mention to everybody that we'll be back next week our show will actually be on the 23rd next week and it is our christmas episode which basically is just helena and i sitting around chatting we have we have really nothing planned at all except to enjoy the holiday and sit around and talk. So I don't know if that sounds boring or not, but we're going to have fun doing it. Uh, you can find our show notes with all the links uh, for today's shows to, to Colin Stable and to the uh, association there in New Zealand. And you can find those at, at stablescoop.com for this episode, the New Zealand episode. And you can send us a voicemail at 270-803-0025 or email us with any comments at geeks g-e-e-k-s at horseradionetwork.com so thanks again robin thank you helena and helena we'll see you again next week for our christmas episode yep we'll be back with the scoop